Hey everyone, welcome back to More Gaming. I'm joined with one of the original Battle Bros. I've got Dan here on the line. Hello. And uh, we're going to be having a little bit of a breakdown from the Adepticon event. Unfortunately, I was not able to go, but Dan was, and he went down um, for some Adeptus Titanicus. Is that right, Dan? Yes. Very nice, very nice. Uh, before we kick into that i guess we'll just do a quick kind of uh little round out on some hobby progress what have you been working on the last week or so um well right now because it's like a week from your big like uh 30k event so i've yep. just been getting my stuff together touching things up um basically you know just just doing that right now that's kind of my big push to sort of get the event over and then move on to titanicus and you know because we're joint efforting doing the slow grow in edmonton here so yeah start doing that more titanicus stuff train more models whatever etc so absolutely absolutely yeah it's uh it's exciting i know there's a lot of uh a lot of people that are looking forward to jumping into some sweet titanicus action and then mm-hmm. um earlier today we were kind of talking in the chat there about the supposed epic leaks oh yeah, yeah stuff so it's i don't know exciting times it could be a lot of cool shit coming down the pipe for us so i just have to oh yeah for sure you know got rumors gothic epic you know all that stuff works all together hopefully yeah because yeah that's what we were talking about people were like oh Oh, is Epic gonna fit with Titanicus? Because I thought there were two different scales, and but we'll figure it out when it happens, I guess. Yeah, I hope it does. Honestly, it just it'd be crazy it for it not to. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be wild. So, um, as far as yeah, as far as hobby stuff for me, uh, pretty much same same spot where you're at. I'm just getting the last of these tiles done up for the event. Kind of getting some uh, last little. Last little minute things all wrapped up. All the prize supports in, all the extra door prizes and stuff were bought over the weekend. So everything's ready to go that way. Uh, I've been going through all the totes and kind of making repairs and just, you know, getting everything mm-hmm. ready to roll. 16 tables is, uh, is a big chunk. So it should, uh, should be a lot of fun to kind of see how everything uh, breaks down and looks on the game day. Yeah. And I guess, uh, yeah, we can jump right into it, I, I suppose. So, Adepticon, uh, first time. Oh, yeah, first time for me. Uh, you know, because I live on the in Western Canada, LVO is so much easier. But, you know, this time I was like, you know, I'm going to jump to Adepticon and try it out for once because, you know, they're the, I don't know if they're the little brother, same brother, I don't know, but they're they're like the, equal version of lvo but on the east coast so definitely wanted to try it out this time and uh they had titanicus so i wanted to jump into that because titanicus for one is easy to travel two it's generally fun because there's a lot of randomness to the game so it's you know a lot of things can go wrong or right in your certain cases and uh, traveling was probably the biggest thing and why I wanted to do it. Plus, there was tickets. 30K sold out instantly. And uh, so Titanicus was my calling. 
Well, it helps that uh, Titanicus is right up in your wheelhouse. Yeah. As well as one of our resident princeps majoris who, uh, <laughs> you know, crushes on the tabletop and uh, does a good job of playing his Volpa. So it's always cool. Yeah, with that. for sure. Always um, cool with that. So, yeah, I guess just go over a quick, like, little experiences and tips. Yeah. Of just not even so much like Titanicus, but um, in my opinion, don't get the VIG or whatever it's called, the top tier package. It was just too much crap they gave me. Um, I would say just buy a general mission ticket and jump into that. Um, it's another tip is it's a BYOB, so you can just bring your own booze if you want which is just um, wild that just blows my mind well because lvo there's guards literally you know chopping the coffee out of your hand yeah. and then and then <laughs> when i went to um adepticon they're literally there's guys with bottles of rum on their table and you know there's people passing beers around like out of a, like a, a 24 pack and i'm like what the hell's going on it was like a college frat party there Compared to LVO, where it was just like, no, you got to buy the $10 beer. And uh, so, I mean, like, it's just there was just like a lot of things that were different. It is basically the same thing. It's just those were like the, the subtle differences. Um, but yeah, overall, I had a pretty good experience because I ended up like more or less going by myself and uh, lots of friendly guys there, lots of. Didn't have a problem, you know, other than, you know, the smell of flop sweat, but <laughs> that's, that's every, uh, gaming convention, but yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, I guess talk about the Titanicus events itself. Yeah. So, uh, Adepticon does, uh, they do it by day by day. So you buy a ticket for this day or this day or this day. It's not like a one package deal. Um, I ended up buying, so the way it worked there, they had Thursday was a single day, uh, Friday was a doubles, and then a Saturday was a single as well. Um, I didn't end up doing the doubles. I just, because I ended up going solo, I didn't want to end up going there and then having to try and find a partner or, you know, get stuck with somebody. I necessarily don't know or you know whatever I, but it all worked out anyways um so the two single days thursday thursday and saturday um they're both they're both good um so i decided to get into this titanicus event packed everything forgot my terminals <laughs> the one the one key part of this game that really makes it like differentiate from you know 30k and 40k and whatever else is these terminals and i forgot them oh, it's such a headache there and this was like thursday i get there buddies are telling me the guys are like oh you know i'm talking to to it's just like what are you gonna do and i was just like oh i don't know and there was guys listening and they're like why don't you use the app titanicus tracker i think it's called yeah, Titan Tracker. Yeah, Titan Tracker. And uh, I downloaded it, got it running. It For whatever reason, it would not work for me, and I'm just, like, getting super frustrated. And luckily, you know, 
the Titanicus guys, they seem to be a lot more friendlier and easygoing. And the one guy I played, he was he was a real awesome dude. Uh, his name was Dave. Um, he uh, he was like, you know what? Why don't you use my phone? And I'll let you because he's like, I had Titan Tracker. I'll, I'll just let you use my phone. Just input your models. He was like. He was just like this nicest guy. I was like, man, are you sure? I was like, man, I, I can just like give you the win and then I can try and figure out something for the next event. He's like, no, no, no. This is my first event. I was like, he's like, I want to, you know, play out my games. I just like, he's like, I want to have fun. I just want to have like a good experience. I was like, awesome. So I was just like, you know what? If you let me, I'll, I'll use your phone. And then, so he let me use his phone. And I was just kept telling him, I was like, sorry, man, you got to unlock your phone for me. Cause he had a, like a, delay or sorry a time delay on it so every time it shut off it locked and i'm like oh man can you unlock for me and then it was just i felt so bad for him but I, he's just so nice and he he was just like after the game and we were like talking he was like trying to figure out things for me and it was just like this great experience of like this guy i've never met trying to like help me with this trying to find terminals he gave me a notepad eventually i wrote down everything i was trying to like draw you know replicate a terminal with these notepads and that that was rough in the second game because i i forgot i forgot a whole bunch of details because in the terminals they tell you you know you know this damage does this modifier and then you know this this uh your armor is this and i was just like holy crap so the second game after the second game i finished it I uh, went up to the TO and I was just like, I just was like, man, I, I got to quit. He was just like, why? And I'm like, I'm just having a really hard time. I, you know, I tried to draw these terminals out. The app's not working for me. He was just like, he was like, uh, don't quit just yet. I'll, I'll try and figure something out. So the TO during the break r was running around grabbing terminals from his like backpack or whatever. And the guy let me use his terminals and it was just like night and day compared to what what I was doing, you know, with the app and the piece of paper. So the third game, I actually played a full game, and I had a different experience. And then I came up to the guy at the end, and I was just like, uh, you know, this was like, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful that he they gave me his terminals, and I just was like, oh man, this was like, you know, I I didn't know what to say to him. I was just like, you know thanks and he was just like yeah no problem and he was basically like he's like my job is to make sure you have a good experience and a good time he's like i'm not worried about me playing or me you know he's like i'd rather stress for you than and have you have a good time and i was just like you know that's sort of what a good to should do right is try Absolutely. to make sure everyone else is having a good time rather than being like yeah you're you're screwed get out of here right like so yeah, and and I was like telling him, what, and, you know, I was thanking him, and uh, I was talking to him, and I was like, so I don't have a game on Friday, but I have a game on Saturday. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go to Staples. I'm gonna print off because GW had like a PDF that they gave available. Yeah. At one point, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go to Staples. I'll just print some off. He's like, you know what? Don't worry about it. You can use my terminals again. And I was just like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, man. Just show up. Have a good time. And, uh, it was just overall, I mean, it was just a great experience there and it was very friendly and, you know, uh, there was, uh, 
there was three of them working for the TO. So it was a TO and then two like helpers. And I'm bad with names on it. Sorry, I can't remember them. But, you know, they were what made the event as good as it was. Um, it's just, yeah, I don't know. It was a good thing, good event. Um, so they, uh, just to sort of like break down the, like the event, or sorry, the, the actual events. So they had a um, map grid system. Like uh, they had these little hexagon tiles. Yep. Of each zone, and uh, each each zone had like its own little thing. It was like a forest and a, a wasteland and a city. Anyway, so he had like this huge map. And uh, so it was really cool where each game affected um, each zone. So like, so, if, you know, if a trader won here, then he got this many points. But if he stayed there and defended it, he got like double the points. So it was like this little thing where there was like this little like grid system where it was just it was crazy. Like there was. They they did a lot there, and I'm just trying to think. I remember looking the at terminals. the pictures. Yeah, I saw, I saw so the, pictures of the 3D printed. They had kind of like that planetary empire, just on a yeah. larger scale, uh, which looked really cool. Yeah, because they gave everyone a token. So you had this token. There was a trader token and a loyalist token, and basically the it was a trader planet, and the loyalists were coming to it to assault it so the so the, you know the the loyalists basically put their tokens down and then then the traders had to like find somebody on there and that's how they sort of did the sorting system it wasn't just by uh winners losers it was just literally by random so it was just the guy would put down his token another guy would be like oh there's a token there i guess i'll put my token there too and then be like okay um who's beta and who's number three and then you know those those two guys would play each other and i don't think i think it kind of worked out where i think i only heard one guy play another guy twice but it was just like this really like neat it was very over complicated and thankfully they knew what they were doing <laughs> to the point where you know they could like direct people and be like hey you know this happens when you do this and then because they gave us a player's pack, but it was like, you know, 10 pages long. I just sort of skimmed through it. I was kind of like, ah, just, you know, throw me at somebody and I'll just, you know, play them. But yeah, once once you start to get like the hang of it, it was just like very, very unique and awesome, actually. And it kind of worked out that uh, there was an Aeronautica game. Aeronautica also affected the board as well because they had their... They dealt with it, uh, you know, traitors and loyalists, and they. I, since I play a traitor legio, uh, I guess Aeronautica, the loyalists won or swept that, so they ended up like, you know, gaining all these points on the second day, and come come back on the third day, and all of a sudden I'm looking at the points, and I'm like, holy crap, it's almost equal now, and I was just like, holy, so, and it, you know, it's just. It, they were just the games were just uh, what they did is the players packs were just they took uh, sorry the the games so each 
each map had its own uh, scenario. And then they had like a whole table full of them. So you, there was like wastes one to five. So they were like, you just pick one, right? So there was never a time where I played the same mission uh, twice. Um, but all they really did was just take the uh, the missions, the secondaries from the match play and uh, incorporate it. So I think that was a really good way of them not forcing people to buy the match play because I don't think half the guys there even know what match play was or even had the match play book. So it was, so I think that's a really good way to, was a really good way for them to actually incorporate like match play missions and just because they're, they're very unique and they're very creative compared to the original three missions that come with the rule book. So yeah, I know. I know. After you were kind of briefly telling me about how the uh, tile system was working for the event, it, it kind of made me think about how I was doing mine. And my main goal was trying to make sure it was simplistic, especially for an event like with thirty-two people that are coming on the weekend. Yeah, is I want to make sure that this planetary empire stuff is easy for people to grasp and to go with. Um, obviously, when we do the campaign which will tie into titanicus slow growth for july there will be a little bit more uh, granularity to it so there's more mm -hmm. detail yeah um i've been telling a lot of people that the event for the weekend is essentially just going to be it's, it's a primer it's this is what you can expect more detail and stuff coming later um i i am looking forward to seeing how it all kind of uh, works as I can go over it in my head as many times as I'd like, but you know, once it's out in the wild <laughs> yeah. and once the players are mingling on it and you really get to kind of, you know, uh, flex it and see how it works, it, it's good. It's a real stress test um, mm -hmm. for the little mechanics I have in mind. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, it, it sounded like Titanicus was a blast. I know, like I said earlier, it's pretty much your, your wheelhouse. So yeah, it definitely sounded good. Oh, I, just to quickly go over, uh, just, uh, man, it was amazing seeing everyone's models. Like there was lots of diversity there. And, uh, funny enough, there was two Legio defensors. That's my like original Legio. And yeah. it was just laughing because I was just like, man, I almost brought them and I would have been like the third guy there with them. And it was funny because those two other guys are like, man, I've never seen anyone else play it. And all of a sudden... You know, the, there was two of them there, and I was like, man, I almost brought my third one because I overheard them talking about it. And I'm just like, I said, I, I almost brought a, a third one for, for the event, and he was just, there was just like, man, that's crazy that that was like the only duplicates. Everyone had like their own, uh, their own, either they had their own original paint scheme or their own, um, their own, you know, Legio. So there was no like lots of the same thing. There wasn't a whole, whole lot of corruptions, like people, you know, putting spikes and stuff. So I guess I was the only guy there with spikes all over my, my Vulpa. But yeah, it was just amazing time overall. No, well, it sounds excellent. Sounds excellent. How would you rate, I guess, your overall experience for Adepticon in general? Um, well, see, the Titanicus event was, um, was actually pretty good. I, I'd rate that pretty high it was very friendly you know they were very helpful um the missions and you know all that was top tier so I, you know I'd, I'd put that a nine out of ten and the event itself 
just because it's br- I was brand new to it, and you know I didn't know how things work. I I'd rate it like a six out of a seven out of like events, but it was just it was just partly because of my ignorance and not knowing like hey this like you got to you can do this and this like because I would have brought like a sandwich. I was scared to bring a you know food in. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, and that's just from the LVO style, right? Like I know even. Yeah, like playing there, like you essentially, it's it's hotel based, so there's yeah. unions involved. There's like labor agreements and everything where you have to have the hotel supplied food and yeah. drink, and you will pay an arm and a leg for that stuff uh, for the convenience. And then when you're telling me about the frat party there in the hall, people no real need for the convention pass. Like everyone's just kind of mingling, doing their own thing. I was like, yeah. holy fuck! Like it just sounds like spring break over there, you know. Um, which is cool. That that's a neat way to do it. I, I I imagine the event hotel probably doesn't have like a full contract or a staff thing like that. I'm not sure. Um, for them to be able to get away, well, I could not get away with it, but for them to be able to offer kind of like mm-hmm. an open policy where you can bring your own booze or your own food, which is kind of really cool. I like the idea of that. So. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it was definitely a unique experience. You know, it it was kind of cool being on the East Coast, and you know, you get a lot more UK guys. So that was kind of neat to like, you know, see that. And you know, there's guys talking there, and it it almost had like a nostalgia feel where there's guys that are like, "Man, we came here this year and this year, and this thing happened at this time." And I'm like, "Man, this is like LVO," but you know, and, and the guys in Las Vegas are like, "Oh yeah, these guys came up from here and here." And I was just like. I was just laughing at it because it, you know, it was just, it, it almost felt like home, but it wasn't home because I've been to LVO like six or seven times now. Yeah. And so going to Adepticon, it was just all new faces and it was just, but it was almost like the same experience because of the way the guys talk and the way, you know, the player base is. And it, it just, you know, you know, after the first day of like being uncomfortable being by myself, it was just like, oh, these guys are all the same brothers, right? Just from the the other side of the the other side of the continent. So yeah, <laughs> no, that's so, awesome, man. That's yeah, overall, awesome. it was a really good experience. No, oh, that's excellent. No plane trouble, so that was good. Well, that's always the big thing, right? Whenever you <laughs> yeah. check bags or go on the planes and travel around, it's yeah, traveling late well, is always nice. Well, that's the problem with us in Western Canada is, you know, LVO or Las Vegas is literally a two hour flight south or, you know, a eight hour flight to Chicago. Yeah. So it's just sort of like that toss up of, do you, would you rather do the easy flight or the, the long flights? Yeah. So. yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Well, no, that's awesome, man. That's I mean, awesome. It, I, I guess that's it for me, unless you have any other questions or any- that was just my main. I just kind of wanted to know how how you how you like the event itself and yep. the Titanicus event and whatnot. I know I've got Arthur who's going to be jumping on here, um, also first timer at Adepticon, and he went through some painting courses and whatnot. So I was trying to get a little bit of a brief uh, overview as I was not able to come. So I'm just trying to gather as much goodness <laughs> and as much uh, storytelling as I can. So. What do they say? You're trying to live uh, by proxy? Yeah, basically. I'm living vicariously <laughs> through your uh, event con stories. <laughs> uh, so, 
Well, well yeah. Well, awesome. thank you. Thank you very much, Dan, for jumping on and kind of, you know, um, yeah, no problem. Telling us all about it and definitely look forward to uh, chatting some more about some Titanicus slow grow in the near future. Mm-hmm. Get some things rolling, man. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, I guess, uh, yeah, I'll touch base with you later and we'll ramp up for the next segment. Awesome. Catch you. All right. See you guys. Bye. Alrighty, so segment two of our Adepticon review. Um, unfortunately, I was not able to go, but Arthur was, and he went down for some painting courses, and it was also your uh, first time for Adepticon, right? That's right. You know, I've been to the LVO before, um, so it's not my first time at like a, a big international event, but this was my first time flying down to Chicago and taking part in Adepticon. Very nice. Very nice. I guess before we get into meat potatoes, everyone's favorite, we'll do some hoppy progress. Uh, we've Hell yeah, on, brother. We've been working on hmm. the last week here. Well, you know what? Uh, just prior to Adepticon, uh, I'm trying to like finish off all the Eldar I bought during Eldar release this time last year. And uh, in the cabinet, I have like maybe maybe 10, 10 models left that are like built and, and not primed. So this last week, I was working on Guardians. Uh, those new Eldar sculpts, in fact, anything that's come that's new, is just a beautiful model. And it makes you not want to touch anything that's not updated yet. So, like, I feel a pity for those Dark Eldar players. I feel a pity for uh, anyone who hasn't had those, like, post-2017 models. But Adepticon was really good because I got about halfway through painting some of these Guardians. After I finished off doing, like, the Elder Eldar units, like the Jet Bikes and the Shining Spears and, I mean, the Warhammer community-sponsored Falcon, right? It's true. Can't forget Very that. true. Mr. Mr. Warhammer Community in the Flesh. And uh, it was really good I went to Adepticon because I took back so much. I didn't finish those Guardians before I went. I came back. I applied pretty much every course I took to them. And they came out as probably the best infantry-based paint job I've ever done on models. Thankfully to those Adepticon courses. That's awesome. So money well spent otherwise. Yeah, you know, um, well, we can talk about that. We're, we're there, right? I went to Adepticon. Yeah. Uh, it kind of sucks. So if you're coming out from, from the west side of, of Canada or the States, it might not be a direct flight. Uh, and it probably coming out of Toronto if you're Canadian, and if you're not, it uh, depends on where in the States you are, right? If you're Eastern Seaboard, you're probably getting right to Chicago, but if you're not, you're probably coming to Lake Houston or something. Uh, and airports are still a mess. So, um, you know what? Buy travel insurance, first of all, because... Uh, on my way back, I did get screwed around at overnight. It cost me, you know, three, four hundred bucks, but travel insurance covered one hundred percent of it. So it's uh, forty dollars well spent. Yeah. Did you dirty in T dot? Didn't they? They did me dirty in T dot, <laughs> and everyone says it's Pearson. It's Pearson Airport. It fucks everything up. But uh, the flights down there were pretty good. Uh, you know, I got a little little day drunk in in, in T dot, which is a good time. Made that flight to Toronto or to Chicago extra fun. And uh, as soon as we we landed. Uh, I had a painting course that night. I pretty much had enough time to get to my hotel. Uh, and, you know, the thing that was interesting about Chicago is that I was in the cab to the my, my hotel, and uh, I felt like I was feeling the G's in the seat and, like, getting twisted to the side and stuff. And I look over, and, you know, the cabbie's doing 90K, and I'm like, oh, 90 kilometers, that's not that bad. And I'm like, no, no, no. They don't do kilometers here. But he was going 90, 90 miles. miles yeah. That's about 150K. And on this uh, this interstate, people were blowing past us. So they and I went with my American friend, 
another guy we did a bunch of painting courses together, and he says that Chicago is kind of famous for its fast drivers, which is interesting. Hmm. But uh, we we speed down to our hotel. I pretty much got enough time uh, to like put my bags in there and then head over to the venue. As so we get to the venue, maybe about like five thirty, six o'clock, uh, and we don't have a painting course till about eight or nine. But it's enough time to like gather your badge kind of figure out who's who in the zoo, wander around, and we checked out the vendor hall. And we got about down maybe one side of it before they kicked us out because the vendor hall closes on Thursday night at 6 p.m. Oh, shit. I thought that was kind of weird. So like, I get early. it that... Uh, it's probably because that people start getting, like, liquored up and they don't want people messing around with the vendors after a certain time of night, right? And that's fair. Yeah. And I think the vendor hall opens around 10 or 11, so they want to give them, you know... Eight hours, and, and there's lots of other stuff to do after that time, so you don't need to be looking at the vendor hall for hours and hours and hours. Anyways, I see some cool stuff. I see some some stuff I might want to pick up. Uh, and then it's about 7 o'clock. We got time to, like, grab a drink, wander around, and uh, we got I got that painting course at 9. And the first painting course was done by... It was something studios... Uh, I'm blanking on the name right now. Uh, he's a former vet, uh, United States military vet. Uh, he just did 20 years in the service, and he, he opened up his own like uh, painting studio and game store somewhere in the States. And his whole shtick was weathering. It was how to weather a model. And uh, they gave us like this, uh, like a panel almost. I'll see if I can grab it, because it should just sure. be on the shelf. Um... And uh, most of these courses, they tell you that like everything's provided. So we got this. Oh yeah, uh, and it, it was just primed pretty much, like the the basic colors, and maybe like a highlight, and then they had a whole bunch of like six or seven paints they put down in their palette, including like a texture paint uh, and like some weathering dust, and he pretty much showed us like a bunch of different weathering techniques. Uh, not gonna lie, I was disappointed that like this was our model, because this isn't really a model. It's great for learning a technique on, but it's not a model. Yeah. We learned a lot. You learned how to like make scratches, where to highlight them, uh, like five or six different ways to make scratches and how they look good on every different armor type, um, where to apply rust, how to make some scratches appear bigger than others. Um, and then uh, one thing that was really cool to this course, and I don't know when I'll use it, is they used a texture paint on it. And then from there, you can like paint the rust. But after that, you can apply two or three different weathering powders. And this can all be done after. Like, you don't have to worry about doing, like, pre-layering for, uh, like, applying, like, a rust effect. Because a lot of people do that, right? They use, the like, a brown undercoat, and they put some orange on it, and then they, like, what was the old salt and hairspray trick or whatever? Yeah. Uh, but you don't have to do that. There's a lot of really cool stuff made by companies like AK that can dig, get it for the after. So it was a pretty good course. Uh, and then it was pretty much, like, go back to the hotel. Um chill out. My, my my partner in crime there, Blake, had a, a course after that, like a 10 o'clock course. Oh, wow. Burning the midnight oil, yeah. And uh, pretty much came, left, and then uh, the next day, I think we painted for like 14 hours. Um, we had a course rated right 8am, and this was probably the coolest course. It was uh, How to Paint Grimdark Skin by Little Legend Studios. Okay. Uh, the, the guy was straight out of the UK. He gave us an actual barbarian. He had for this course. And the pose of the barbarian was designed for light to hit it in certain ways. And so that he could teach the technique of like light is going to hit it from this angle. So we're going to highlight here, here, and here. 
And the really cool thing about this particular course, and why I would recommend taking it if you ever get the chance online or at Adepticon with Little Legend Studios again, was you only used primary colors. Just red, blue, and yellow. And if I... I don't have the model here, but I got some pictures of it. It'll blow you away because you can do everything with red, blue, and yellow and a little bit of white. Uh, and he was great. He was a great instructor. Um, he like uh, saw that people had different techniques and he would teach you different things like um, certain reasons why you might want to change the way you're using your brushstroke of like going up or going down, going towards the shading, going towards the highlighting. And a lot of color theory on like when you want to use blue, how you want to use your cool tones to cool down for a shading area, and why you shouldn't just put null oil and everything, right? Yeah. Uh, it takes away that that temperature contrast. Uh, and it was it was a really good course. I, I really enjoyed that one. Uh, and that was a. Uh, I can't remember if that was a two and a half hour course or if that was one of the four hour courses because yeah, you had both. Um, later that day though. That must have been a four-hour course, because we were in there quite some time. Uh, we had a two-hour course with Ben Comet, and it was just called the Loaded Brush. You ever heard of the Loaded Brush technique? Yeah. What do you know about the Loaded Brush? I, I've I've heard of it mentioned a few times on uh, a couple different videos I've watched. Um, myself, like, I don't know if I've ever actually applied it or used it, to be honest with you. Well, it's a blending technique. It's a, it's a wet blending technique. Um, wet blending is a tricky thing to master, right? You're trying yeah, to build that contrast gradient. And what they do here is they take a very watery, um, like the, the color you want to layer down to in the, the ferrolator brush in the base of it. And then you take a very, very thick, like a white or the color that you would like to start at the highlight, um, on the very tip. And then you start with that, and as you bring your brush down, you start slanting it like this, so you have like the, the base of, that's all in here, that watery stuff, yeah. as you bring your brush down, and it'll create this really nice blend. But here's where I was disappointed once again, where they promised models. They said, you know, every course will, will give you a model. All he gave us was these wood blocks. Well, let me see if I can pull these up to practice our wet blending on. Uh, what's a good side? I mean, it doesn't really matter. Oh, okay. I see. And the, the white, the white dots here are just to represent like one, two, three, four, five, six. So here I was blending from like green to blue. Yeah. Um. Here I was blending from like blue to pink. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it was a great way to learn the technique because you have like you know nine so many sides on the cube. However many cube sides there, are, I don't remember off the top of my head. Let to count them. Kind of embarrassing. <laughs> but. You pick that up pretty quick. And then what? Like, when are you ever going to wet blend a solid flat surface? Probably not ever. Never, 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 ever. Uh, and so when he was asked about that in the course, he said that in previous years, people found the, check, the technique kind of hard to master. And so they wanted to uh, practice on a square block like this. But I'm like, all right, well, this means nothing until I actually try it on a model. So like, give me a space spring shoulder pad. Give me a leg for something, an arm for something. Uh, give me one of these dumb flat surfaces that's a little bit bigger. Like uh, Ben Comet is uh, he's a wonderful painter. If you ever see any of his stuff, he's really good. That's why he invented the loaded brush technique, right? But he's a bum teacher. And if you're ever thinking about taking a course, do not take a Ben Comet course. And that's not just because of the model thing. My, my friend took a course for him for uh, painting skin uh, on the Monday. 
Uh, maybe this the Sunday because they're closed Monday. Uh, and same thing. Wonderful painter, bum teacher. And then late that night, we had another course. Uh, and I think this is one I had solo. It was uh, Sergei Calvo, which is one of those very famous Spanish painters. And the course was all about maximum contrast. It was about 50% theory for him talking and 50% application uh, in a practical sense of what he was doing. And he gave us uh, some, one of the, it's like a, like a Daughter of Cain model, but not Daughters of Cain. It's one for the, the sub-games like Warcry or, or whatever the, the kill team of Age of Sigmar is. Uh, and while the model I came up with this course wasn't looking like a, like a good model that was painted, I learned the most from this guy. And he was all talking about how miniature painting is all about creating contrast. In, in whatever way you would like to create contrast, that's the way you make a mini look good. And there are basically different ways to create contrast. You can do that through um, value, so the application of black or white, uh, temperature, so like how warm or cold, and he mentioned when you're using temperature that your eyes are drawn to warm temperature and they're drawn away from cool temperature. And so if you ever want to hide things, you put that in cool tones. So your shadows are normally going to be cool. You don't shadow with warm temps. But the things you want people to look at, those want to be warm temperatures. And if you ever seen like a really eye-catching model, they use that. And I never thought about that. Yeah. Uh, he talked about other ways to have contrast. So we talked about value. We talked about temperature. Uh, you could do texture. So, um, I don't know if you've ever seen the uh, the Sylvaneth um, Lay, uh, Ariel the Everqueen, the beetle. Oh, yeah, yeah. On the bottom of that, they uh, they hand-paint texture lines for that beetle carapace underneath. And it's a lot better looking than just, Flat. like, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And you see texture used, like, sometimes really well for, like, leather or clothing um, so it's just a different way you can add contrast and make a model more interesting and, and uh, have like value to look at. Uh, and then, of course, color, right? Uh, how you could have like an opposite color to make a nice contrast. Like if you look at a color wheel uh, using the color on the exact opposite side, we'll create that contrast. But when it comes down to miniature painting, if you want a really good looking mini, contrast, 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 dial it up to 100. Find a way to make it look good using contrast. And he's a wonderful painter. Um, he was pretty funny. And actually, it was kind of funny. Someone stole his model that he was using to teach midway through the course. Oh, that's crazy. And he's like, what are you going to do with this? Put it on eBay? Like, <laughs> um, So that, that was a really good course. And then the next morning, I had a really interesting one. Um, and I can't remember the name of this studio either, uh, because she's a, she was a professional makeup artist. And it was how to paint makeup on, on models. Uh, I paint a lot of Sisters of Battle, I paint a lot of Eldar, there's a lot of feminine faces in that, and I wanted to kind of up my face game a bit. And so she gave us a bust. Uh, and I'll throw some pictures here so that you could put them in the podcast. Sure. Um, and what the gimmick was, is she was painting live makeup on a person, and then the rest of us would apply those same techniques using the bust of the model. Uh, it was a bit of an advanced course, so if you're not someone who's done a lot of skin tones, if you can't create like a, a basic skin tone and highlight that, and then shade it, it might be too advanced, but uh, it was like after you've painted your model and you've highlighted like your, your cheekbones and you've resetted like down here and you've added contour and whatnot, how to do like eyeshadow, eyeliner. Uh, if you want to add like fancy shit here, like sometimes you know the girls do. Yeah. Um, one of the things I never thought about for when I paint models, uh, especially the girls, was that 
I mean, we have beards. Or I have a beard, you don't. But uh, this is actually a point of highlight right here. And usually the chin is, too. Um, I'm used to, like, doing the up here uh, on the face of the cheekbone and maybe some on the forehead. But I never thought about, like, well, I got the nose, but this being a point and this being a point as well. And mind you, you can change where you'd like to highlight if you have the light coming from a different angle. But if you're doing, like, a dead-on face, that's how you would do that. And I think if you were to take one thing away from that course, it's glazing. So, like, a lot of times uh, when, you know, you see makeup on models, they have, like, a slight uh, tone hue on the cheeks or something like that. But it's really hard to get that. So you need to use, like, uh, the, the thinnest level of paint and the highest level of water to get that mix. And then just millions of little layers until you get the amount of that filter layer whether that's red or blue or purple or pink, you want on that model. And the last course I think we took uh, later that day was a course called Bird Shit. <laughs> and his whole gimmick was how to make <laughs> realistic-looking uh, <clears throat> like dioramas of bases. And I have this one, too. And his whole shtick, uh, it was kind of like a weathering course, but he was talking about how you want to avoid something called the Uncanny Valley. So that whenever you look at a base and you're like, oh man, something's just not right. It's because that's not how it would appear to be in real life. And so we, he started off by giving us, a, a, you know, an actual like scenic base that he created. Uh, but it didn't look like anything. It didn't have any texture on it. It had like a bit of rubble, but not a lot. And the first thing we did was similar to that weathering course. We started by adding scratches. And like we go to put like two or three on. And he's like, whoa, stop. Now before you continue, where do you think scratches are going to be in this piece? Where is sand and wind hitting this? Is there water coming from anywhere? Is uh, anyone walking on it? Think of those types of things. And then we, you know, we did some sponge weathering, which is a very popular technique. Uh, and then he, uh, it was, he's sponsored by AK. So what this mostly was, was like a, a workshop of using 30 different AK products. Um, if you are weathering your models and you are not using AK, you are doing it wrong. They're the best in the business for that. Yeah. Like straight up. Um, like the Windsor Newton being the best paintbrushes or whatever. If you're if you're weathering models, use AK. Um, and in the end, we created something that looks like this. And I'm not sure if the camera will focus on it. There's like even a bird's nest in here. The camera's not picking it up, but we even got the namesake of the course in there. There there's like what appears to be bird shit in certain spots. Um, overall, that being my last course, one of the coolest things, and one of the reasons I would recommend going down was we got to try out a hundred different types of paint. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you see, like, on these YouTubers, they're always talking about, oh, try out Chimera paint, or try out uh, the new Monument Pro Acrylic. And then they say things like, well, what is a heavy-density acrylic? <laughs> what does that mean? And then they pour these paints out, and you start realizing, oh, wow, that's a totally different application. Why I would use that over everything else? Um. And it was really cool to try all these different products out. Uh, I think the more you start painting and the more you start taking these courses and learning, you start realizing that like one brand isn't always necessarily better than another. Citadel has some great paints. I really like Scale. They have some great paints. But in specific circumstances, the application of one paint is better than another. Gale, they have shitty whites. Citadel, they have shitty whites. Yeah. I love Citadel's purple paint. I love their gloss. They don't have a matte effect. If you're doing matte, maybe you want to go to scale. Maybe you want to go to Monument Pro. 
If you want a heavy density acrylic, well, there's nothing better than Chimera for that. But you wouldn't use that heavy density acrylic if you're trying to do, I don't know, blending layers on a power sword, unless you really want to thin that paint down, in which case, there's a better paint for that. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, that ended up being my Adepticon experience. On the way home, the the flight got screwed up. Like, as, as I alluded to, I had to overnight in Pearson. Um, so if you are going to travel anywhere like that, first of all, if there's an event you can fly direct to, do that one. LVO's got the same painting courses, it's the same people, and while it's not like the big hobby event, it's going to have the same stuff, and if that's direct for you and it's cheaper, do that, it's going to be a better experience. Um, but if you really want to go to Adepticon, buy travel insurance, <laughs> I guess, is the lesson yeah. learned here. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Uh, it was cool to see the Golden Demons. Uh, you see them like, uh, there's people like on Instagram and whatnot doing the Golden Demon compendiums, and that's really cool to see. It's nothing like seeing them in person. And I think everyone I took a course for took a golden, or had applied for golden demons. And, I mean, Sergio Calvo, the one I learned all that contrast stuff from, he won two categories. Uh, uh, my friend took another course about, like, painting skin tones or, or OSL, and it was done by this coho person, and she didn't win a category, but she can paint better than anything I ever could. Uh, and then one of the things you end up looking at these golden demons is that there is subjectivity to it. And there's a whole reason they set up a curtain where they have a whole bunch of paint judges go back and they pick which ones are the best and which ones are the winners. And it's kind of funny to, to listen post-Adepticon at like the YouTube channels for some people who submitted stuff. And they try not to trash talk who won in certain areas, but you can tell that they're hurt because it is subjective. And even in locals, painting competitions are subjective based on the judge. And no rubric will ever fix that subjectivity. Maybe that's okay. I don't know. But that's pretty much my Adepticon experience. Overall, how would you uh, how would you rate Adepticon out of ten? It's kind of a non-answer, but I think you can't rate it because it depends on what you want to make of it. Yeah. Uh, it, <laughs> ben Comet's class zero to ten. A dice, a little fucking wooden block's not a miniature. Don't ever take his course. He's a bum. <laughs> Sergey Calvio class, twenty out of ten because there's no there's no YouTube video that would have had that same level of learning for me. Yeah. Little Legends class, ten out of ten. I would take all of his courses. I actually even thought about subscribing to his Patreon for painting lessons. Like, he was a great teacher. But it's what you make of it. If I was to go again next year, I wouldn't just go with one friend. I'd want to go with five. Yeah. And uh, we ended up cheaping out and getting a hotel nearby that we could walk at, but the hotel was shitty. Like. You know what? Go spend if if you're already going down, go spend the three or four or five hundred extra dollars. Get a nice room, um, and 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 treat yourself. It, it's it's not as cool if you're trying to do it on a budget. It's a lot more fun if you're willing to like go and have the nice things. And if you're with a group of friends, you're gonna go out for drinks. You're gonna make a party of it. It's gonna be a great time. Yeah, no, don't. So that's kind of a non-answer. I don't know. Eight. Until Air Canada fucked my flights up, so then five, and then I got my insurance to pay for it, so we went back up to a nine. That's okay. Hey, it's, these things happen. It happens. Exactly. It. I haven't hap- I haven't had it happen direct, but uh, I also haven't had any connection flights forever. So, if you can fly direct, fly direct. Um, and you know, I bought my tickets on Boxing Day, so I got them rather cheap. Uh, you can always look for sales. That's a way to save some stuff too. Uh, for the for the for the cost conscious, you can definitely share rooms and 
at all these different cons, there's there's always a, a cheaper room somewhere. Uh, Uber don't don't buy cabs. The Ubers are cheaper and better now, which is weird, but it's true. Yeah, no, don't. No, no, it's excellent. That's good. It sounds like a good experience. I definitely uh, find myself leaning more towards going for painting courses. Just try different things out and um, getting exposure to all the different artists out there. You know what? Um, having played in one of those massive, like, multi-hundred people events, when I went to the LVO, I think there were 600 people playing, and I went down to play that one time. This last time, they had 1,000. And even at Adepticon, when you see, like, the rows and rows and rows of tables interconnected so far that you're never getting across to the other side of the table unless you're going under or over, uh, these cons are not the greatest experience for gaming. They're experiencing for hanging out with your friends, making some memories. Yeah. And honestly, the painting classes are top-notch. I had a way better time taking painting courses than I ever would have uh, playing, and probably losing in, uh, you know, like a Warhammer event. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and next time I go, I'd like to go down with some friends, and I think that if I was going to go, I'd like to plan it months in advance. This was a bit of a, like a last-minute thing. We only decided, like, maybe two months in advance. And I would suggest that everyone come down with a golden demon category entry or, or like plan to take part in the resin beast or, or as, 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 a, as a thing you do with friends. Yeah, for sure. One thing I could take back from Adepticon and uh, I really enjoyed there was the, the entrance categories for painting competitions. Uh, none of our local tournaments have like categories. It's all just, uh, you know, you bring your, you have a two day event and you bring your army down and then whatever the best army wins, wins. Um, but it would be really cool to see like uh, single model, uh, diorama, dual, and well, it may not be feasible for every single tournament organizer to do all that because that's an individual trophy or a ribbon or something. Uh, hell, I, I would I would pay money to participate in a painting contest locally if it's a ten dollar entry or a five dollar entry, right? Like, not everyone would, but it'd be cool to see something like that locally. Well, it's definitely something to. Uh put on the back burner and think about right absolutely always down to do stuff like that always always well, that's awesome no it sounds sounds really good i know dan also had a really positive experience and it sounds like you you also had one minus the uh t dot situation minus the flights. so minus the flights it was a great experience i'd do it again well that's awesome man that's awesome do you have anything else that you wanted to add? I think that pretty much covers the uh, the experience um, that you should go. Uh, research the painters. Um, check out what they've done if, you, if you're going down for the painting courses. Um, and, and don't be afraid to take weird ones. Because like you can find the same other stuff on, on YouTube. But if something's advertised as being kind of out there and you're like, I hadn't ever considered that... That's going to be another toolbox in your in in your in your toolbox, really, the tool in the box for uh, a technique that you're not going to pick up otherwise. Yeah. So take the weird shit, uh, embrace the time, and and even if like you got a bit of an ego in painting, like I do, um, try to put that aside because you're 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 learning from the masters, right? I've never won a golden demon. No, nor have I. Nor have I. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. I, I, if I could paint like I can now, back in the 90s, man, I'd have a fucking Slayer sword if you've seen some of those entries. That but. would be killer. 
because uh, the people who are winning them now, it's wild. Yeah. I'd still like to participate, though, throw my name in the ring. That'd be nice. The feedback you get alone, I think, would be worth the experience. Yeah, I agree. So, well, awesome, man. Much appreciated for coming on and sharing your Adepticon uh, story with us. My pleasure. Anytime. Excellent. And uh, if you recognize Arthur, make sure you check out his uh, pages. He's got Charging from Deep Strike Studios blog and then his Instagram, where you can also see the Warhammer community Falcon. That's right, Mr. <laughs> Warhammer community himself. Uh, and I have to update the bio because now we are the 13 times award winning. That's paper. right, just off off the weekend. That's right, yeah, crushing right. it. And most importantly, the undisputed doubles champion. <laughs> Undefeated, undisputed doubles champion of all time. One half Oh, up. shit, awesome. <laughs> oh, killer, man. Well, yeah, thank you again for coming on. We'll definitely uh, have to get you and scott on here to chat some 40k 10th edition and just events and everything else well you know what we got a big tournament this weekend we've been uh, getting a lot of practice in it it's the spring gt for nemesis so we're hoping to take home some hardware there yeah and uh this thursday is going to be a balanced athlete that's going to shake up the meta so it'd be nice check it all out uh root for the team we're, we're part of the out of the saga stable for the time being so uh, I don't think we've gone to an event without one of us taking home some kind of hardware yet this year. Yeah, uh, that's good. So we're let's hoping we can take some stuff down at Nemesis. That's what it's all about. Definitely good luck on that. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, for sure. Always a pleasure. Catch you later. Hey everyone. So we're just on the final segment here of our kind of short but sweet little episode here this week. Uh, essentially, you just heard kind of a first-hand um, two-part segment of like a mini uh, Adepticon review. A couple other people I'd like to try and uh, get online and chat with, uh, just with uh, schedules that wasn't working out. So uh, I want to take this time to just answer a couple questions that I had. Some people asking me about um, the Iron Without event series and what kind of things I plan for it, and especially with this campaign that I'm going to be uh, doing locally, which will no doubt expand into this cross-Canada uh, crusade. So essentially, with the actual event, we're going to be having the system of Planetary Empire tiles all set up, which is going to be a, a, a planet, essentially, on on a 2D, 2D surface, and each three pack of planetary tiles is going to represent one table at the event. Now, after the event is done, whatever the territories are, if they're in dispute, if they're taken, if they're not, that's how the campaign is going to start. Um, that's a, This is essentially the primer. This is going to be the big kickoff. Um, once the campaign starts, uh, I'm going to have a few different groups, including like our own local Warrior Lodge group. And we're going to be keeping track of games. And it'll be basically Loyalist versus Traitor faction. Um, we'll have a game pretty much once every two weeks for about a month and a half. And the goal is to essentially do it from July 1st until mid-December, which lets us have 12 games um, at 
three, four, sorry, four different phases uh, throughout the campaign, at which point in mid-December it'll end, and then we'll probably roll into a Zone Mortalis-style um, uh, event slash campaign, which will help kind of progress the story. Or if the rumors are true and we get epic, we might end up going epic as well. Um, for right now, the campaign is meant to accommodate Titanicus, uh, regular zone, or um, like regular heresy games. Uh, and then uh, as we continue to move on, some of the theaters will open up to be very specific. So we might have a, a whole like two phase or a whole mini campaign dedicated to just Titanicus or maybe to um, tank warfare or like APOC style games, something like that. Something that we can keep um, keep evolving the theater and keep it fresh. I think that's important to um, always have the story going somewhere. And after a while, you know, if you just always do the, oh, you're attacking a planet, here we go. After the third or fourth time, I think that gets stale and uh, probably gets stale even before that, to be honest. So if there's ways we can switch things up, be it in a theater, be it like a uh, Zomortalis Centurion mode, you name it, um, that's definitely something I'd like to do. Uh, I'd like to eventually, once that... Um, Trader Astartes Assassin drops, I'd like to try and have a way where you could unlock that in different factions so the Loyalists can get a Knight's Errant that they could build and convert themselves. Uh, you know, we'd supply probably a 3D printed shoulder pad or at least a decal of some sort so they can make their own Knight's Errant under Melkodora's sigil. And then the Trader side would be able to take this Assassin, Demonic Assassin kind of force multiplier in their list which would be a lot of fun i think it would just add another layer of of cool essentially to uh, the campaign i've also toyed with ideas in zone about having um, remakes of like saturnine with the uh, kill zone um, inside like the saturnine wall where you have uh, teams essentially kill teams of loyalists set up in this four by four or four by six board and then you have traders popping up with termite drills and you rolling off in the grid to see where they're actually going to appear. Um, stuff like that. I, I think it's just totally it's too much fun you can have. And essentially the best part about it is you can make these stories your own the whole time. So not only can you play in these and take pictures and, you know, talk about them, write about them, but now you can actually kind of, kind of start creating like a history for your group and uh, with this um, you know uh, cross Canada crusade essentially what we want to do is start expanding it to these different local groups that are all you know in Canada and really start kind of pumping up the uh, heresy scene here at home uh, which is awesome if you can get like-minded groups together rolling dice and enjoying each other's company uh, it just me honestly um, it's all it's good things for everybody i think uh there's a term i believe it's uh, a rising tide helps all ships uh float or rise something like that which is essentially what we're trying to do um everybody gets involved it's going to benefit in some way shape or form it's going to be really good for for heresy as a whole especially for for us here at home um so it just adds a couple different ways of doing that uh you can also you know have painting competitions that are going to be kind of floating in with that you have conversions just different 
different layers of um, potential prizes. And you're also growing your community as well. There might be people who didn't jump on the heresy train for a slow grow that might want to jump into the slow grow Titanicus stuff, which is going to be part of the campaign. They might want to, you know what, I only want like a small combat slash boarding patrol box. Perfect. Jump in zone. Zone mortalis would be right up your alley. I use those those terms um, loosely just because most people kind of know what you're talking about. If you say a combat patrol box or whatnot, uh, Games Workshop is is good at uh, pushing you know pushing the names and their product. I think there's people are familiar with that, anyways. So, um, getting back to the campaign, essentially, after each round at the event, um, there will be a blue or red chip, a token that gets placed on the territory, and that's to let us all know that it is under loyalist or trader control. If it's tied or contested, there will be nothing there. Um, if you really wanted to get extra creative, you could start adding like a yellow token for a successionist um, successionist faction, which could be Mechanicum, Astra, Black Shields whenever they get rules, just other things, right? You can always have different warring factions that doesn't always have to be, you know, Loyalist Trader, Red, Blue. Um, just again, another way to switch it up. Another way to kind of just tell your own story, which is always good. I think that's a big benefit. The more you can make it relatable to your active player base, uh, the better. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, essentially, uh, another one of the questions here was, uh, uh, what was the thought process behind the Iron Iron Without event leading into a campaign? Honestly, it was it was basically just to give us a, a starting point, um, something that everybody could participate in over the course of two days and something that we could track, something that we could show, building up the hype. And after the dust is all settled, now we have something that we're able to actually put out there on paper. We can take a picture, put like a digital overlay on the map and show exactly where where this this event has led and we can find out the fate of the desperation system here at the end of mid-december um which will be a lot of fun i i think it's uh i think it's going to be really good there's lots of event swag kind of uh coming with people's ticket purchase um let them really feel part of this uh campaign so i i'm i have really high hopes i i, I won't give too much away though i kind of want to make most of it a surprise um, for the weekend, I think, um, only a couple people here and there have seen bits and pieces of what the actual event swag is going to be. No one's actually seen it all yet. Um, so it, it, it should be a really good, uh, a really good way to kind of show appreciation to everybody jumping in by having these uh, tangible items that they can use in their games all the time and feel like they're playing to a larger narrative. Uh, which which they are. It's going to be our narrative, forging our own stories. So, um, yeah, that kind of wraps it up for this this week's episode. Short, sweet. Uh, after the event, we'll have a big heresy like Megasode coming out. There's been you know some new stuff dropping. I know we've got tank commanders. We've got different plastic vehicles dropping. There's been a lot of different stuff kind of coming down the pipe. So we want to have like a big, big download of all the heresy stuff that's been going on. And then later on, 
After that, we'll probably start talking a little bit uh, 40K, building up that 10th edition hype. Uh, so definitely, yeah, stay tuned. Uh, keep writing questions in. I love questions like this. It's it's nice just for us to, you know, be able to assess and um, really a- address your questions uh, directly. So um, definitely love it. We, we might even, if we get enough every episode, we might even have a question period where we start with your questions from last episode or the week before uh, that just to, you know, have a small five ten minute segment answer a bunch of questions and uh, it lets you feel like you're actually being listened to and i think it's a lot more personable than throwing it in an email so uh, we appreciate the emails obviously but i'd rather answer you guys directly like this so anyways yeah thanks for tuning in and we will definitely catch you after the event stay tuned for a ton of pictures and there's also going to be a um, big unboxing video of the stuff we got from battle bling uh, which stay tuned. We're gonna. It's gonna be awesome. So probably have pictures of the battle bling stuff on Friday. All right. Catch you later.